Well, let me just take a few moments to say at least three preliminary things before getting started here. Um, one, thank you guys. Thank you so much for your support for all these years. Uh, we, we do know a lot of you. A lot of you we don't know, but you have just joined in in the support, so we thank you for that. And uh, we, we feel loved and cared for by you guys. So thank you so much. Um, the second thing is, uh, we have been here for the last year, actually. I was uh, teaching down at Columbia International University on South Carolina. I think I told you guys that last summer when, when, we, when we stopped by. And so anyway, we're done with that. It went very well. Um, I, I, well I've thoroughly enjoyed the teaching part, not so much the grading part. That's a little more difficult than I, than I realized. Uh, Fortunately, I had spoken with someone who warned me that those first three or four months is going to be really hard, and they were. All the way up to about the first of November, I was, felt like I was drowning. But then the second semester, we were able to repeat the class that we taught in the first semester, so it, it, it worked out great, a lot, lot easier. It was, it was just very enjoyable. So we are heading back tomorrow, so please pray for that, uh, and just that the Lord will lead and guide us and help us to kind of get reinserted back into the church there, and just pray for wisdom. We're dealing with some issues already. This, this week's been kind of a tough week, honestly, uh, but uh, just we need some wisdom on, on how to handle some different issues uh, that we're going to go back and face from day one, it appears. So uh, with that, third thing, and then we'll get started. Happy Father's Day. Uh, really, uh, it, it's, it's a joy to be here to preach on Father's Day, but I'm going to warn you, this is not a Father's Day message, okay? So, but it, honestly, I don't think there's much of a stretch of imagination here to make some parallels between shepherding and fathering. So, but the only thing is, I'm going I'm to leave that up to you, you fathers, to make those connections, make it explicit, to maybe even ponder upon that uh, during the week, and uh, what, is, what is it? mean for me as a father to, to shepherd my family and to shepherd those even around me. So, uh, but anyway, I, did, I did just want to say happy Father's Day uh, with you, to you, uh, to you fathers for that. But anyway, Psalm 23. Um, hmm. When I first knew I had to uh, preach on this psalm, I kind of thought, wow, that's exciting. Wow, that's scary. Uh, <laughs> Because on the one hand, um, it's just such a privilege when, when you preach on a passage like this, it's such a privilege to be able to just to meditate on it, to go deep into it, uh, just to allow it to speak to my own heart in, in a new way. But on the other hand, there's probably not a single person in this room who's never heard a sermon on Psalm 23, or at least heard it talked about at a funeral or, or something like that. It's just a very well-known passage of Scripture, and so it's somewhat a little bit intimidating uh, to, to preach on that. But I, I hope to at least just point us to God's Word, to point us to our great shepherd, our good shepherd. And, uh, and that's, I think that's what we need to do as we focus on this passage here, is to focus on Him. So let's read Psalm 23. It's a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we do ask for your presence to be here with us in this moment, to teach us, to guide us. Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds to hear what you are saying to us. May you apply this passage to our hearts. May you just reveal all of the sinful ways that are in us. Lord, may you encourage us, especially those of us who are maybe a little bit down this morning. But most of all, may we look to you, our shepherd, knowing that you are caring for us, you are guiding us, you are always with us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, this is probably one of the most well-known passages of Scripture from the Old Testament, at least. Uh, And probably for the reason of what I just said, too, it's just that almost at every funeral you go to, you hear it read, you hear it referred to. But I'm here to tell you, it's, it's more than a funeral psalm. It's a psalm that speaks to our hearts on a daily basis. It has a way to guide us, to to empower us, to allow us to move forward with our lives no matter what we are facing. Now, we don't know the exact circumstances, kind of as normal, of of why David penned these words. Uh, But he starts off with five very precious words. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And each of those words just deserves to be pondered on in and of themselves. I I remember I had a a preaching professor who did just that. His whole sermon was on those five words, and he would kind of give an emphasis on each word for each point. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And that's the way he did it. Yeah, I guess it was effective because I remember it, you know, after, what, 30 years uh, from that time. But uh, we're not going to take the time to go into the depth of that and, and to treat it the way it deserves to be treated. But the Lord is our shepherd. It's incredibly comforting for us. Incredibly life giving to us in so many ways. The Lord is our shepherd. Now, this is not a new metaphor that the Bible uses to describe God. Uh, Jacob had referred to the Lord as his shepherd way back in Genesis when he was pronouncing the blessings upon his children. Um, So this is nothing new. Even in Deuteronomy, if you think about it, the word shepherd is not used in Deuteronomy, but Moses really describes God in a very shepherding way. He's going to guide the children of Israel into the promised land, to this land that is flowing with milk and honey, where there's abundance. They will lack nothing. And the Lord is going to do that. So there's nothing new about the Lord being our shepherd here. And it's even applied, this idea of, you know, this metaphor of being a shepherd, is even applied to the religious leaders of the day, or even, the, even to kings, not just religious leaders, but to kings. Leaders of people. They were to shepherd the people. They were to care for, protect. And in the case of, the, uh, of Israel, 
The leaders, the elders in particular, were to lead the people in covenant faithfulness. Not something they were very effective in, were they? I mean, to the point where the, where the Lord, through the prophet Ezekiel, has to rebuke them, saying, what are you doing, guys? You're the shepherd. You're supposed to be protecting my people. You're supposed to be leading them in righteousness, and you're leading them astray. You're taking advantage of them. In a sense, the shepherds had made the sheep their, their prey. And so God has to step in and say, I will once again lead my people. I will be their shepherd. Now, we could ask ourselves, how do we see God being our shepherd uh, fulfilled? How, I mean, this, 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 in, in, at least in Ezekiel 34, I'm saying, when God says, I'm going to shepherd my people once again, how does he fulfill that? Well, can you think of a way? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is always the right answer, whoever said that. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He says this in John chapter 10. And I know I'm supposed to wait to the end of the sermon to get to Jesus, because we're in the Old Testament here and kind of have that surprise, oh, Jesus is the good shepherd. But I, I kind of wanted to start off with that from the beginning because I think it's so important that we have in the back of our minds this fact that Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus knows us. He calls us by name. Jesus gives us life. And he says, not just life, but abundant life. He's standing at the, at the door of the sheep pen, watching over us, protecting us, guiding us to where we need to go. Jesus is our good shepherd. So when we see these words and we read these words in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, let's have Jesus at the front and center of our minds. Jesus is our shepherd. He is the good shepherd. So the question for us that I'd like to propose to you this morning is how do we see God's shepherding activity in our, in our daily lives? How do we see God's shepherding activity in our life on a daily basis? How do, how do we see that show up? How does God shepherd us? And I think in this psalm, we see at least three ways. There's probably more, but three that I would like to ponder on with you this morning. And that is, he, he provides for us. He guides us. And he protects us. He provides for us. He guides us. And he protects us. So let's, let's look at this first point here. He provides. Right off the bat, we see that the Lord being our shepherd means that we shall not want. Now, I don't know about some of you guys, but when I was younger, I, 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 when I would hear that psalm read, and of course you always have to memorize it, those of you who grew up in church, right? You know, the, the King James Version, anyway, at least. I don't know, anybody do that? Come on. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I get to that point where he says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I just thought that David was saying, I, 
I don't want the Lord, you know. I, the Lord's a shepherd that I don't want. And it just didn't make sense to me. Now, I don't, anybody else do that? Or is, am I the only one? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm not alone, okay. Um, this, I don't know why, though. But now, obviously, that's not what it's saying. It's saying. We're not going to have any needs. We're not going to have any lacking in our life. The Lord is going to provide for everything that we need. He meets all of our needs. Isn't that incredibly reassuring? Especially in today's climate. And not, not just talking about the economic climate that we're kind of the valley of the shadow of death that we are <laughs> entering, <laughs> bad as that is, but also just this harsh cultural climate that we live in where the enemies of the gospel are continually just going against us, the Lord will provide our needs. Now, certainly, we see that the Lord will provide for our physical needs. Let's don't miss that. These first couple of verses here, verses 2 and 3, are beautiful in describing this. I mean, I... I don't know anything about shepherding, and I'm sure a lot of you guys don't know anything about shepherding, but you can just read these first couple of verses here and realize it, you, you don't need to know a whole lot about shepherding. David does such a good job of painting this picture that we know we can, we can enter into exactly what it means to be a shepherd. And so he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Or he leads me in the right paths. So he provides for our physical needs. I mean, that is what is behind these green pastures and waters. We're talking about food. We're talking about water. The basic necessities of life. The Lord is providing for us. Not only that, but there seems to be that he's providing in such a way that there's an abundance of provision because we are lying down in the green pastures. We've eaten our fill and we can just take a Sunday afternoon nap and just let it digest without a care in the world. There's, a, there's an abundance that's in there. And, and as we keep reading in the psalm, in verse 5, it says, you know, you've, God becomes not only the shepherd, but he's also this great host. And he's hosting this banquet for us. And he's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil so that our face and countenance will glisten, that we'll smell good. Our cup overflows with the blessings of the Lord. God is meeting our physical needs in a very abundant way. Even Jesus, our good shepherd, teaches the same thing. Matthew chapter 6, Luke chapter 12. Very clear, God will meet our physical needs. And he even sums up his teaching with that famous verse that a lot of you know. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, what are all those things? Well, reading the chapter, Matthew 6, we see that he's talking about these physical needs. Now, perhaps 
For some of us, that's a little troubling. Why? Because, well, you know, there's some out there that take this to an extreme, right? It's the prosperity gospel, folks. That God not only is going to provide your needs, but he wants you to have the BMW, the Mercedes, and just the, the high life, and he wants you to have it right now. And what it causes us to do sometimes is to go back to the other extreme. Almost, almost to deny that God even meets our physical needs. We don't need to do that. Let's don't trade one error for another error. God meets our needs. It's okay to say that. It's okay to believe that. He tells us this in his word. He provides for everything we need. And to be crystal clear, this psalm says, okay, yeah, you're lying down in the green pasture. There's abundance, but there's also times when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes there's slim pickings. Sometimes we've got to go to the food pantry or the clothes closets that different churches and nonprofit organizations have. Either way, God is providing. Either way. Let us thank Him for His generosity. God is meeting our needs, He's meeting our physical needs. But it's not just the physical needs. He's also meeting our spiritual and emotional needs as well. David says, we lack nothing. And then he gets down to this phrase in verse 3. He says, he restores my soul. He gives me life. He brings us back to life. And in a way, I guess we could say that this phrase leaves behind the shepherding metaphor for a second. And I say that just because I'm not sure that sheep need to have their soul restored. Maybe so. I don't know. But I do know that you and I need that. We need to have our souls restored. We need to have that deep sense of life that comes from the life giver to give us the purpose, to give us the hope that we need. And God says, I'm the shepherd. I'm going to meet even that most intimate need in the depth of your soul. I will restore your soul. Come to me. So how is our soul restored? <laughs> Well, one thing, quite simply, is that we allow his word to penetrate our hearts. We meditate on it. We, or what I like to say, we, we marinate in it. Just allowing the, just the flavor of God's word to work its way in, in a way. But one thing I do know, we're getting a, a restored soul, that there's no three-step program, there's no three steps that you can follow, four steps, five steps, whatever it may be. It's not like if I do this, this, and that, I'll arrive at a restored soul. And, and I, I, be honest, I think that cuts against us as Americans. That why, why is there not a process? You know, there's, we have in America, I think, just this idea that we need to get rich quick. You know, all those get-rich-quick schemes. 
And I think it kind of invades almost area, area, every area of our life that we want the quick solution. We just want to do it. If I do this, boom, 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 I'm done. It doesn't always work that way, though, does it? Doesn't life teach us that? Doesn't your life experience teach you that? It doesn't always work that way. It's hard. And so a restored soul sometimes just means crying out to God, saying, God, I need you. Uh, this week, I already alluded to it, but this has been a kind of a difficult week for us, my, my wife and I, just learning about some th- different things that are happening over in Italy and what, what do we need to do and just how do we respond. And as I was preparing this sermon, I just had to stop. And I just had to go out, take a walk, and say, God, I, I need a restored soul. I'm pretty beat up right now. I need you. You restore my soul. Lord, would you restore me? And I have to say, the Lord answers. He helps reorient me, get my eyes off of the the circumstances and the conditions that are here, and then get them on to the shepherd. And it changes perspective. And it gave me strength. The next day, I had to do it again. It would be nice if it just stuck the first time, right? <laughs> but you've got to do it again. That's the way life works. But in an in, in incredibly uh, promising, life-giving thing, truth that we see here in this passage, is that God doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just say, well, fend for yourself. Good luck. But he actually pursues us. You know, he's not even waiting for us to come back to him. He's pursuing us. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That word follows can also be translated pursue. Surely goodness and mercy pursues me. As one commentator said, it's, it's like goodness and mercy are like God's sheepdogs that just run out around us, pursue us, keep us on the right path, providing exactly what we need in the time that we need it. Isn't that a great image? He's pursuing us. His mercy, His steadfast love, His faithfulness, He's always there. He provides for us. God provides for us. He provides every need we have. We're not lacking. We're not lacking anything. Secondly, the Lord, our shepherd, guides us in the right paths or the paths of righteousness. Now, this is something that's very easy to affirm when those paths take us to green pastures, right? When life is going good, we're very quick. Wow, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, God. But isn't it incredibly interesting that the very next verse speaks of the valley that we all try to avoid at all cost? The valley of the shadow of death. Even there, God is guiding us. 
If we're not in the green pastures and beside still waters, we do not need to question if God is guiding us or not. He is. He is. This valley of the shadow of death, you know, we, we traditionally translate this Hebrew word as shadow of death, but it means deep darkness. Or as one dictionary says, impenetrable gloom. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Impenetrable gloom. How many of us have been there? And it doesn't take really a, a very bad thing to get you into that state either, does it? Because when you're experiencing the darkness, you're experiencing that valley, it just seems impenetrable. I mean, even to some of the stuff that we're going through this week, if I was to tell you uh, what we're going through, some of you say, well, that's all? <laughs> but the experience of it, boy, it just, just feels oppressive. It's impenetrable. But the idea here is that any difficult time we go through, we can count on the Lord's guidance. Even if that difficulty does lead us to death. But it may not necessarily. Now David mentions two tools in the shepherd's toolbox. The rod and the staff. And one of the uses of these tools was to control and to guide the sheep into the paths that they should go. So if they were kind of going off the path, he could just kind of prod them with the, with the staff and kind of make it, I guess, make it like a makeshift fence, right? And kind of guide them over there. Get them to where they need to go. From what I understand, domesticated sheep are completely dependent upon the shepherd for food, for water, for for protection completely and so with this rod and this staff they, they can kind of guide the sheep in the direction that they need to go that they would not have gone necessarily on their own um, we as sheep need guidance we are so prone to wander away from the right path we are so prone to think that we know what is best. We are so prone just to see, you know, something green, and we go over there thinking we're going to the green pastures, but we get there, we start eating, and we're just eating poison ivy. Now, I, I see this in my own life, especially in the context of relationships. Maybe someone does something wrong to me or they just do something wrong in general and it, it maybe makes me angry, right? Of course, I'm righteous in my anger, right? It, it's wrong. I've determined. And so, going down my own little path, I can justify gossiping and slandering and putting other people down, trying to get vengeance on my own terms or you know maybe even that you know passive aggressiveness that comes out sometimes or total opposite just saying well I don't care they can do what they want to do sometimes in the name of searching for peace I just want to maintain the peace not going to say anything on this one and I'm so convinced that I'm right I am walking the right path why? 
because I'm following the wrong shepherd. <laughs> I'm following a shepherd, but I've made myself to be the shepherd. I've made the wisdom of this world to be the shepherd. I've made somebody else's opinion to be the shepherd instead of the Lord. And so we always have to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, where are you leading us? We must trust God at all times that he is leading us in the right path. He knows what he is doing. Listen, life is tough sometimes. It really is. It's hard. But do we trust him to know that he's leading us even in the valley of the shadow of death? The disciples weren't good followers on that, were they? Jesus says, I, I've got to go. I've got to go die. I'm going to the cross. And they said, no way. What are you doing? Can't, can't be that way. And of course, in the night he was betrayed, they all desert him. They abandon him. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. But the good shepherd knew that this path that was going to lead to death was leading to a resurrection on the other side. He knew where he was going. He knew where he wanted to lead his people. Are we willing to follow? Do we trust him? Jesus says to come to him. He will give us rest. He will lead us in the right path. Right when we're weary and we're overburdened, we come to him. We throw it all at his feet. Will we follow him wherever he leads? Who is the shepherd of our lives? Is it the Lord or is it, or is it me? So the Lord is our shepherd. He provides for all our needs. He guides us in the paths of righteousness. And thirdly, he protects us from the enemy. And the fact that he makes us even lie down in green pastures even insinuates or gives the idea that there's safety there, right? We feel secure. We're not worried about a wild animal coming in from the, from, from the bushes and, and attacking us. Why? We know our shepherd is there watching over us. And then he says, he set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. There's, there's almost a note of victory here. The Lord has given us the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord, and so he has won the battle that even our enemies have to watch us have this banquet knowing that the Lord is on our side. This requires patience because we... We want to get the vengeance right away. We want to justify ourselves. We want to, you know, we want to win the day. But Jesus says, well, you're going to be treated badly. They're going to persecute you. But hey, take heart. I've overcome the world. I've overcome. There is victory in the Lord. He is protecting us. He's watching over us. And he will protect us from every enemy that we have. Now, for some of our brothers and sisters, this does not mean that they escape death. We know that Christians today suffer martyrdom for the sake of Christ. They give their life for following Jesus. 
but for them awaits that heavenly banquet as they await for that day when every one of us will join in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there's ultimate victory, that victory that is fully realized. It's the day that we wait for, the day that we hope for. So we continue moving forward, trusting that God is going to meet our needs, trusting that he's going to guide us in the right path, trusting that he is going to protect us from our enemies. Now, why does God do all these things? Why does he shepherd us in this way? Very simple. Right in the middle of Psalm 23, David says, for his namesake. It's all for his glory. When we are cared for by the shepherd, he is magnified. When we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death in this impenetrable darkness, God's glory shines brightly. When he takes care for us, when he restores our soul, he is glorified, he is magnified. It's for his namesake, he makes himself great in shepherding us. Let's not forget that. It's not about us. It's about him. So here's the big idea for today. As sheep, we are totally dependent upon the good shepherd who cares for us by providing for our every need guiding us in the right direction and protecting us from the enemy that surrounds us all for his name's sake. All for his glory. And we could ask ourselves some questions on this, right? Are, are we really totally dependent? Are we following our good shepherd? Are we looking to him for our provision? Are we waiting for him to avenge his own name, to protect us, to guide us? Are we really focused on him? Now, one last thought. I'll close with this. We said that Jesus is the good shepherd, but we must also see him as the sheep. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's walked where we walk now. He's walking beside us. He's the shepherd who is also a sheep. On that night that he was betrayed, he set that banquet table, if you will, that we're going to remember in a few minutes talking about his body, the bread, talking about this cup, this cup of the new covenant. The gospel message. He was going to die on our behalf so that we can have life with him. He went through the valley of the shadow of death, all the way to death, to purchase our salvation with his shed blood. That is remarkable. We serve not only the good shepherd, 
but the very Lamb of God. If there's one who can watch over our souls, who can restore our souls, who can protect us, who can provide for us, who can guide us, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. This good shepherd, the very Lamb of God, cares for us, providing for our every need, guiding us in the right direction, protecting us from the enemy that surrounds us, all for his name's sake. And now we can enjoy his presence forevermore. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You are the great shepherd. You are the great overseer of our souls. You are the chief shepherd. You are the lamb that was sacrificed in our place. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf that we might have life and have it to the fullest. I pray that this week, as we go through the week, that you would watch over us, you would care for us, that you would help us to even meditate and, and remember Psalm 23 as we go out. May, may this psalm that is so familiar to us just shout loudly within us. May it penetrate our hearts. May it change us in some way. Help us to reorient our eyes to focus upon you, our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. We don't lack anything. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.